the Trench Monkeys RPG Podcast. Sound off. This is Kyle. This is Eric. And this is Greg. So, uh, welcome back. This episode features mail call. We've got an email from Rusby. We're going to do our work call, staff briefing about finding catharsis, and TAPS, which is our final thoughts and important information. But first, uh, since we're returning from TDY, let's uh, go over some information about who we are and how things are done. Trench Monkeys is a discussion podcast featuring current and former military professionals discussing role-playing games. We discuss gaming as well as nerd and military culture. We do so through a filter of our military experiences. So let's give you fair warning. If you're sensitive to harsh language, gallows humor, graphic depictions, and or frank discussions of physical and mental health, either get out or proceed with caution. And if something really bothers you about our language and you feel the need to send us an email, just fucking don't. (laughs) Okay? Just forget we exist. Now, if we say something that offends you, we might be interested and we may apologize. But if you find our language upsetting. You said fuck 12 times during that show. Right. Oh my we god, when I was uh one of my buddies uh when we when we got out, uh he left a message on my voicemail. <laughs> and I, I swear to you in like a 30 second voicemail he probably said fuck or fucking <laughs> at least 10 or 15 times at least. You don't realize that uh when you're in, but when you get out and you're like, "Okay, I've got to calm down. I got to Oh. Oh, wait, was I that bad?" Right. Yeah. I, well, there was a movie I can't remember which one it was, but it was like you never realize what you're saying, you know, like when you're deployed and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then you go home and you ask your mom to pass the fucking potatoes. That's right. <laughs> Actually, Chassie was one of the ones that made me realize I was going too far over the deep end. When I was working at the the disciplinary barracks, and I think I was on like my third dead baby joke. And she looked at me and said, stop. I didn't realize I'd even done it because it's one of those things you had to do to keep yourself from going insane. Yeah. And dead baby bo- jokes do really bother my wife. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, there there are a few things that really bother my wife. Dead baby jokes really bother my wife. <laughs> um, so, uh, but that, that being said, if we do drop a dead baby joke here. I haven't said any of those since I got out of the DB. And listen, if we do offend you, and you are one of our listeners, we do care. We would like to hear, and we will probably apologize. Right. But if it's our language that offends you, go away. Yeah. All right. So then this show is actually broken down into four segments. Uh, assembly, which is the introduction and any news or other information pertaining to the episode or the, the season or the show. Mail call. It's where we answer questions and address comments from our listeners. Mail call can be posted to us on Gamers Table Discord or by clicking the link on our webpage. Send us an email. Be happy to answer you on our show. Right. It doesn't even have to be questions. It could just be, you know, observations or just, you know, um, hey, we, lo- we love you guys. We'll read that shit, too. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> and, and we appreciate it because we probably love you guys, too. The work call segment is what the focus of the episode is actually about. Categories are our staff briefing, where we discuss a set topic, pass and review, where we do a review of a table game, video game, movie, or some other form of media. In recon missions, we play test rules or just fun games on the mic. The last category of work call is information briefing, where we are interviewing authors, game designers, other personalities in the gaming community. And as before mentioned, TAPS is where we wrap up the show with our final thoughts, where to find us, and important community information. With all that out of the way, let's move on to mail call. Mail call. Email from Russ B. So Russ says, 
One problem I always had was having players be no-shows for my games. What would you guys do when you had a rotating cast of characters? Oh, that's a good one. That is uh, a good one because not only does it apply to just in, in gaming in general, but military gaming yeah. almost like precisely. Oh, yeah. And it really depended on the game. I mean, if we were on a dungeon crawl in D&D, Pathfinder, etc., it got difficult. I mean, you wind up with uh, a logistics trail. You wind up with five or six characters who are guarding a camp, yeah. who are, you know, guarding a wagon, who are just kind of following the group. And uh, if you got to rotate them, you rotate them. If you wind up with everybody, I mean, that gets, I mean, as a game master and all of a sudden, you know, last game session you had five and now you've got 11. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the encounter that started and maybe you had to end in the middle of last game session, now like 19 orcs are coming running. Because you also have a logistics trail that won't shut the hell up. Right. So that's the easy way to, to ramp up an encounter is by all of a sudden, you know, oh, no, man, your your log trail is is being too loud. You're not sneaking <laughs> up on these guys. They know you're coming. Um, what was the kid's name in the uh, that Halloween scenario that was Left for Dead and Resident uh, Evil combined? What was it? He spent like – he wasn't able four. to be there. Okay. Yeah. And he spent like three episodes in a coma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His powers his powers awakened and he went unconscious and just spent that time terrorizing people. He dreams. was a unit armorer, right? And we were stationed uh, in Kansas and a very uh, special unit, at least for one of the games, came in from Fort Campbell and we were the only 24-hour arms room uh, that they wanted to store their stuff in because our arms room was also in the MP station. Mm. So literally he had to sit for two weeks on these hard crates in our arms room and he barely got to leave. Oh God. Um, you know, they were, you know, full of miniguns and cool shit. So, <laughs> right. I mean, well, yeah. you, you, the stuff you don't want walking away. Yeah, it was right. a trade off. Uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, and you know, got to meet some pretty cool guys. One, it was one, it was a very cool aviation unit and you know, they were very cool. Cause I, Got to talk to him once or twice, but yeah, you know, he he missed a couple of game sessions just because he couldn't leave the arms room. Yeah, and God forbid you like uh, take the game to him, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, if there was any place we could play that wasn't just in the middle of the MP station, maybe. But that's one of the ways to do it with kind of with Pathfinder. Um, if you're an episodic game, you know, you're playing uh, champions or heroes. It's you're running more like a comic book kind of thing or Shadowrun where it's very mission based. You know, you can file people in and out between missions. But if you've got somebody who it's not for work and it's becoming a problem, you know, maybe you talk to them or maybe you just, you know, you get their guy captured or they get shot down and you can pick them back up and bust them out later. Now that D&D has become so much more popular and mainstream, I'm wondering, and, I, and anybody who's listening to this who's active duty right now, I am very interested in how big your game groups are. Yeah. Because when we were, you know, playing and things like that, it was, you know, most people really didn't understand or, you know, maybe they, they knew what was going on, but it was like, it wasn't, you know, it was just a usually a small group of, of people playing. It wasn't. A, a massive amount of people. And I'm just wondering how that's changed because that would, you know, if like you were saying, you know, your, your logistics trail is going to be so huge. Um, and that's with, you know, maybe what, seven, eight people playing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine it being a, a gaming group of like, you know, 15, 20 people. I, yeah, you we know? have, we have trouble on Friday nights with eight. Yeah. I think the biggest I got 
was in a deployed setting, actually, uh, in 2007. We were four deployed. We had no power, no running water. Uh, I've talked about it a few times. And uh, nobody had anything else to do. Right. I mean, we'd got risk taken away by our platoon sergeant because of a fist fight. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you can only play so many uh, army version of the Monopoly games before, right. you know, people get sick of calling the boring quineers the boring queers, which doesn't go over well with the guys from Puerto Rico in your unit, you know. And then there are people that refuse to play you in Scrabble. Uh, well, you can only do so many sets of 200 push-ups for beating the platoon sergeant platoon leader in Scrabble <laughs> before you decide you're just not going to do it anymore. Right. And spades is great. I'm sure we've all played plenty of games of spades. Right. But by the time you're six months in and you've played as much spades as you're going to play. Right. You kind of hit that wall. Uh, right. So I did that after about five hands. Yeah. <laughs> I was never a good spades player. So, you know, I had a couple of books and a notebook and some dice and a pencil in my footlocker, and we just started a game of D&D up, and I was just running off the top of my head. I had returned to the Temple of Elemental Evil with me, so I was using that as a loose framework and setting. Sure. And the game or the mod? The mod. Oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, when you go into the uh, the fortress and there's the dragon there and you've got 12 people. Yeah. You know, I had, I had people charging it with short swords. Because, <laughs> what the hell? Might yeah, as well, right? Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it was, it was pretty good. When you get big games, yeah, you're going to have to, I mean, kind of the way I dealt with rotating that way was, well, you know what? You guys have got a wagon. You got to guard the wagon. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You, or you, you know, if you're going into an actual dungeon, you know, you've got three or four torchbearers. You got two or three people carrying stuff. And you don't even have to make them hired. You can make them assigned. Or, right. you know what? You freed some prisoners a couple of rooms back. And, you, well, you got to safeguard them through. What are you going to do? Just cut them loose in the dungeon? Right. Right? Yes. Hope, you, hope you make it. Bye. So, You're and free. Go be free. Oh, they did. If you've got a group that will just cut them loose, so you just kind of put an Easter egg in early that, you know, you – People are missing their family. People are missing their friends. And there's rewards available if you find missing persons. Yeah. Oh, is that why you do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's so you don't cut, you know, <laughs> you know, half-starved people loose on deep seven of a dungeon and then they get <laughs> eaten by something upstairs you missed. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I just throw you guys some more gold and I raise the cost of something later to take it out. So. Right. I remember um, when I was playing, it was most of us were in the same unit. So it really, you know, unless somebody had, you know, some other duty that they had to do, you know, CQ or something like that, then for the most part, we were always together, except one guy was in a different unit. And that unit, he was, uh, he was a uh, driver for a, a, a brigade uh, major. <laughs> so that fucker was in the field yep. all the time. And hated life. And he did. And so we would play and he would be gone. And we would just have to say, well, you know, your character is, you know, and we played a lot of Shadowrun at that time. And that's in that, it, like you say, it, it kind of depends on the game that you're playing. You can do that very easily with Shadowrun. You know, he just happened to be the street Sam. So it was like, okay, you're going to go do this job, but you're not going to have your street Sam with you. You're going to have to probably think a little bit more around the bus down the door and, and, you know, like you own the place, you're going to have to actually think about stuff and infiltrate and things like that. And then when he would come back, then it would be, oh, well, now we can just bust down the door. Well, it's like when we were in Iraq, we had like five of us playing a vigilante campaign in Heroes, in Champions. 
And uh, generally it was good, but I was the one guy who was in another section mm-hmm. who was on another base at one point because two of us had night missions. So, you know, we did, we weren't always able to be together, but we, we still found a way. Yeah. I, mean, I played everything from just games with me and Greg four nights a week because we were bored for mm-hmm. two months. And I played games, I even played a game in Iraq briefly with like 12 people in it. Like mm-hmm. first level D&D ran into two hill giants. God dang. <laughs> oh, no. The, one of the best was... There were 12 that, of us, though. I mean... Yeah, but still, that's first level. Hill giant. Shit. We were, we were running a game. <laughs> I killed it in like... Nice. <laughs> right before I left Germany in Mannheim, I was stationed, we were stationed in Heidelberg. We had a buddy in Mannheim. And our friend Lance, who we've talked about a little bit before, uh, gathered this group of people together. And it was when Bones was really big. The so, show? Yeah, yeah, the show. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we were... We decided, all right, well, you know what? Yeah, let's play this game. And, you know, it, it was contemporary. And, uh, you know, I don't even remember what the overall objective was because I remember showing up and I'm playing a guy named Otis. Otis. And it was kind of back before I had ever watched Breaking Bad, but he was basically a Heisenberg with a military background. Okay. Uh, you know, was cooking meth with the janitor in his university's uh, science uh, building basement. Nice. And uh, the janitor went in early and blew himself up. So he went on the run with just a rucksack full of stuff. Wow. I was playing uh, Tony. Tony Capituola. Yeah. Tony Capituola. (laughs) You know, it was Shield was out too. So he was he was a dirty cop that didn't get to go very far before he got kicked off the force Mm. for possibility and got recruited in this organization. I was the only guy who had the ability to speak to people. Mm. And the two of us were the only two people that knew how to use guns. Everybody else were squints in the entire group. Wow. Three, three, uh, three anthropologists anthropologists and a hacker. And it got to the point where we showed up and the first thing I had to go do was use my street, street wise skills to go buy guns or beat up some gangbangers to get some guns so I could walk back in and hand them guns. Because they were like, oh, we can't do it. Well, they just, well, why would we need a gun? We're anthropologists. And so it was the Tony and Otis show. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it was Tony and Otis with a bunch of followers. <laughs> and, the, and and this was all – they were all player characters, right? All player characters. All, player all characters. gathered around a table in the same room. And, you know, when a hit squad of uh, nine guys with FNPS 90s is coming up an elevator, you got to get real creative. Real <laughs> when, yeah, when you got a bunch of science nerds. Yeah. It's <laughs> a guy with a shotgun and a forty five, and a guy with – like a 45 and then a bunch of guys holding their guns wrong. <laughs> I found the janitor's closet. I mustard gassed him in the uh, elevator shaft and we just took care of it. That's that's actually really funny. And and actually, we could probably kind of go into that when we actually talk about the main topic of this episode. Uh, but playing military players who play non-military characters as a form of catharsis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? So um, I still remember my favorite quote out of that was uh, – well, if we taser him, is he? If we taser that one, is he going to get worse? Is what, what's going to happen? And the response was, "Nah, fuck it, they're touching." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put a dart in each of them; they're touching. It'll be fine. <laughs> so, thank you very much for us. Hopefully, we answered your question. Right. Uh, but you know, y- you can get around it if you want some more advice, or if we didn't answer it, please let us know. We'll we'll hit you back in another episode and see if we can't do a little better for you. Moving into work call, uh, this work call is a staff briefing talking about finding catharsis, kind of like what we had mentioned before. And uh, so springboarding off of, of what we were just talking about and kind of what I was saying, you know, I found that 
the other it doesn't really work well the other way around where you have someone who has no military experience playing a military character. It can happen and it can be done well, but a lot of times it's with a group of non-military background people because by trade I'm I'm a registered nurse. So I cannot watch medical dramas. <laughs> yeah, got you know. that. Um so when I play a game and somebody is playing a military type character a lot of times I have to bite my tongue because and, – and I've been out long enough. I, it, it doesn't bother me as much. But, man, when I first start, when I first got out and people were d- doing things and I'm like, you know, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Just just to do it, the, uh, I the other night went to see Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a video game movie. I thought, why not? I'll see. They actually took the advice of the, the, the fans and yeah. changed it. And I was like, I'm, I'll support that. My only problem with that movie were the military guys. Really? They're all retarded. <laughs> I don't mean like the you're wearing the uniform wrong. No, I mean generally retarded. Wow. Uh, that was like, my the, only like, the, like it was ob- it was very obvious they didn't use any kind of like military uh Well, no, even the guy they had playing the major is a guy who's known for playing military. Even, even then, he was the only thing that was believable about it because he was just being harassed by the civilian that he really wanted to punch in the face. <laughs> but everything else I was just like that that's I, I I I please move on with the story. I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> If you ever want to be physically harmed by people wearing uniforms incorrectly in a movie, watch the A-Team movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have Oh, to the say. one with uh, Bradley Cooper and yes. all that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I like the movie. But there is one section where these two master sergeants are wearing their collars all the way done up and velcroed over and all their all this extra high-speed gear and it's like listen you might get issued all that shit but about 80 percent of it sits in a footlocker unless you get a memorandum from someone above your commander that says you will wear it 100 percent of the time and usually it's only if you got some sort of like uh like the 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 old man's gonna be walking around and yeah, yeah you don't right mm-hmm. it's like you know <laughs> what, we're going on make mission. sure you got the right gloves yeah. <laughs> when we leave the gate all that shit's gonna be on and when we come back in the gate all that shit's going to be on. But the rest of that mission, that shit's sitting in a backseat of your Humvee <laughs> or it's sitting in your rucksack. Right. So, but talking about, uh, you know, having civilians play a military character, but I've found doing it the other way around where you've got a group of military personnel sitting there playing a game and you decide, I want to play the non com science geek or you that's know. my friday night character right now i'm yeah. playing an archaeologist mm-hmm. i have almost no combat skills i have <laughs> hid in a van now for most combats uh it's a supernatural based game <clears throat> okay TV so show. Yeah. oh okay TV yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. so you know i have been wandering around with an iron crowbar that i bought a pure iron crowbar out of luck <laughs> um, and I've got a 1911 because, you know, and the funny thing about it, my wife, who usually plays a non-combat character, is playing the combat monster, you know, shoot people in the face, run run and gun kind of character. It's kind oh, okay. of funny. She has <laughs> combat skills. She doesn't use them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. I've seen her character yeah. shoot. She's got a lot. She's better than mine. I'm playing a, I'm playing a uh, civil engineer. Yeah. Yeah, who lost everything because he had to blow up a building to stop some sort of hoodoo thing. Huh. Yeah. And so he has... All these – for when he had lots of money, he has all these skills and all this stuff that when he had, but now he lives in a van. Right. So 90% of my character doesn't actually matter. And when you play these characters, you have a lot of fun with them because oh, yeah. it's like – Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's that whole – it's a divergence from how you, you would either normally play or think, and it's funny. 
Yeah. A lot of it is so funny. Whereas other people play a, a non-military uh, mentality person would play that and be like, oh, I'm so super serious. But we don't do that. No. <laughs> Whenever no. we play a coward, we go like <laughs> we ramp it up to 11. Oh, yeah. You oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we, first first mission where, you know, one of our ca- other player characters shoots another one through a dark house. And one went fr- in the front door, one went in the back door, and they looked at each other and character A shot character B. <laughs> yeah, with a three fifty seven Magnum bloom right out the back door. <laughs> and it was the daughter that shot her mom. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she is our, still angry about that. Oh, I bet. <laughs> our buddy's wife and daughter play with us. And yes, uh, the funny thing about that was, they, Dr. Levi, come over here. I go, I'm not that kind of doctor. <laughs> and everyone at the table starts laughing. He goes, how long have you been waiting to use that line? I said, when I made this character, I, I foresaw using that line. So yes. But, but is, I mean, I was wondering about this in the ride over here. Is it really the game or is it just having that group of friends because i played games and i just didn't like the gaming group and it just even though i like the characters it just wasn't very oh, yeah. cathartic yeah it has but, a level of almost stress as opposed to catharsis yeah. sure when you're playing around a table and you might know one person there but everybody else at the table is just not gonna help you yeah um yeah. now i will say that's rare for me because i went to game hole con last year and played nothing but shadow run you know, four to six games a day with just complete randos other than my wife every game, mm-hmm. six players in every game, and had a great time. There's yeah. only one person who I think kind of started to harsh everybody else's buzz, and he got dealt with pretty pretty quick. Right. And it was by the game master. I mean, he said, no, we're not doing that. That's not how we're doing this. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it was great. Good for them. Uh, you you so rarely hear that at a con. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had one guy two years ago bring a character that had like 600 karma. To a con game that wasn't like a living campaign? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, they let him play the guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, about the second time somebody goes, well, you know what, man? You go ahead and do this run. We're going to go to Stuffer Shack. Right. Uh, he's, he just he was a shaman, so he just put a whole bunch of enhanced spells on everybody and just held them through for the whole game. Wow. So, you know, it was... Yeah, it was interesting, kind of. But that guy was basically told also after that game, all right, well, if you want to play any more Shadowrun here you, at this con ever, you just need to grab a character off the table. Right. Having, like, I played a game in Iraq for like two or three sit-downs and brought a character, you know, level one, level two, I was like a level two character that I had played before. Mm-hmm. So I understood how to play him and walked into the campaign and then like sat out half the fights because I realized it was really, really overpowered. Your character was my over- character was yeah. It was a second level character. This was the same thing about the two hill giants. Yeah, yeah. Took him out. Took out one by myself. Wow. And everybody looked at me like, "But what are you going to?" It's like I'm out. And I went and sat down under a tree because I realized I need to change the character. I couldn't use this character because I was used to playing a level of the game that these guys weren't playing. I mean, it's not a min max character, but when you have a dwarven concussionist with a twenty con before they retconned everything in three point five, yeah. it was it was a nasty character. But I also realized it wasn't going to help ever everybody else's game out. And right. in that kind of situation, when we're in Iraq, you kind of need that stress relief. Yeah. So I had to pull back and change characters and just play a rando dude. And then I realized I wasn't getting anything out of it, so I stopped playing and started my own game, which was a lot of fun with three people who had never played before. Yeah, I can see that. The whole catharsis of it is you want it's it's supposed to be escapism, and it's also you know working out some some things or some stresses. And like you said, it could be more stressful if you're sitting down with a group that really doesn't gel with you. Yeah, the the game itself, and I've found that a lot of times 
my expectations as a, either a player or as a game master sometimes lends to that where it's like I have this expectation of how my game is going to go. And I say my game, uh, generally it's because I'm the game master and I'm putting so much effort into it Mm -hmm. before we sit down. I I recognize the truth that once I sit down, it becomes our game. But I'm putting all of this effort and build up to this. And then I sit down and we go to play the game. And maybe the players are here expecting to play a different style or something like that. And I'm, it's, it's not cathartic for me. Yeah. It's stressful or it's it's a letdown. And I'm like, well, now I don't even want to play. But now I've roped everybody into playing this game. So now what am I going to do? Well, yeah. and I think you're very much right. Uh, the Game Master has to take ownership of the game. Granted, it's much more of a team environment once the first session is played. But, you know, if the Game Master is not taking ownership and the Game Master is not saying, all right, you might have a player character who's the leader at the table, but the game master's got to be the one who always shows up. He's got to be the one who's always on. You can have players show up and have off days, off nights, players skip, players miss. Players just had a bad day and spend most of the night on their phone trying to keep themselves sane. Yeah. but Unfortunately. As a game master, it is, it is our game, but it's also my game. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's, you've, you've, because if you're running it... You're there to help provide everyone some entertainment, but you've got to kind of lead it. Sure, absolutely. You know, it, it is a team effort, but a lot of the weight sits on the storyteller, game master, DM, GM shoulders. Right. And not only that, but uh, the responsibility of the game. And like we were just talking about, you know, I, when I said good for the, good for that, that game master who stepped up and said, we don't do that here or whatever, you know, because – like it or not, most of the time, if you're sitting down and you're going to game master a game, if someone is breaking the social contract of what you're doing, everybody at the table is now looking at you as the game master to handle it. Very, very likely that happens because you're seen in this leadership position. Oh, yeah. I was trained to run a game a certain way. There are three types of there are three types of missions. There are three types of things that are going on during the course of your game. And this is how you plan out a game. And everything else is free flow. Everything else is free flow. So you might have a 40-minute long actual interrogation session with somebody you're trying to get information out of. Characters might run off on a wild tangent, but to me the hardest part is realizing when it's come to the point where the tangent has gone on too far. Right. And trying to rope people in without feeling like I'm just going to grab you by your hair and throw you back into where you need to be. That's always been the hardest part, and that keeps me from enjoying the game. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, it's we I rarely have those instances, but when you do, you can just feel the difference in everybody. And pulling it back into something that we can all enjoy, that we can all have fun with is just difficult. Some sometimes, sometimes particular individuals will fight you tooth and claw to be idiots, but right. But, you know, gaming is a catharsis. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's how they need to get something out. I mean, yeah. there are times we have game till we've laughed, game till we've cried, game where we've laughed till we've cried. Mm-hmm. I mean, Somebody does something dumb and it just puts the entire table oh, yeah. rolling on the floor. Sure. That's that's you the know? end of an hour worth of laughing right there. We're not yeah. gonna be get back on course anytime soon. Nor should you. You know, and that's that's the rub, right? That's that's the the tightrope walk of recognizing are we if I if I try and rope everybody back on course, am am I really just putting throwing a monkey wrench in everybody's fun? Because maybe what I had planned for tonight isn't what should happen 
you know, that maybe we could do that the next night or whatever. You know, it's just, uh, I don't know how many times I've ran a game and sat and watched as player characters went on shopping sprees. And I'm not just talking about, you know, buying curtains and shit. I'm talking about, you know, let's go buy a magical item or I'm really looking for this. And you turn, and I've done it as player too. You know, it's like you, you go into the night, not really expecting to do this or whatever. Maybe you do have an objective, but then something kind of strikes your fancy. And it's like, this is, you know, the, the mood of the table is a relief. You know, they, this is what they want to do. Let's let them do it. As long as it's not one person doing it and everybody else sitting around going, well, when are we going to play? Yeah. You know, that's, and that's the problem. And that is, it may be cathartic for the person who's doing all the, what do we call that? The, uh, the grab ass. But, and, and if, if the others are good, just observing, you know, somebody doing goofy shit, then hey, then whatever, it's entertaining. But for me, it's, it's more cathartic for me to feel like I'm building the story mm-hmm. than it is stroking somebody's ego or letting somebody run roughshod over the whole thing just to vamp. You know, yeah. If you've got player characters that are doing that, I mean, you can either rein them in or you can cut them loose. And if they get their jollies and you can't rein them in, then cut them loose. Yep. There's people I used to play with all the time that I will not play with anymore because you know you play with them and it becomes their show. You know, you go to do something, it's like, well, I'll assist. I can do that. Yeah. You know, it's like I don't know how, but whatever. We're not doing that. Fine. You know, go ahead. You, you know what? You do this run. I'm going to, I'm going to go sit over here and drink. And I'm, I'm actually guilty of doing that as a player. And it's mostly because I'm kind of a clown when it comes to playing. I know you look at me like I'm crazy, <laughs> but it's true. Um, you never went over the top, Eric. Well, you, you know, you never stole spotlight from anybody. I generally when I play a character, uh, who does, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say steal spotlight, but takes their fair share of spotlight. Oh yeah, you had Butcher Boy. I mean, that. right? Well, and I mean, there's uh, in in other other cases too. Um, I'm <laughs> we're playing um, a game of uh, Call of Cthulhu currently, and our friend Aaron is running it, and I'm playing Busta Saladino, and I'm you know I'm from New York, and I I talk with my accent, and I you know fuck you, you know that kind of thing, and. Shannon is playing my brother. So there'll be sessions where, and my older brother, which is funny because of the dynamic, because Shannon's like, what, you know, 10 years younger than me? Easily. Um, so she's bossing me around as if she's my older brother. We're both from this, you know, big Italian family, at, you know, Brooklyn, New York. And uh, she's bossing me around and I'm, fuck you, fuck you, Frankie, you know, that kind of stuff. And we do that. All night long, and Mike is sitting here playing this game, and he's just, just like watching, like what in the hell is <laughs> happening here? And I, I honestly said this to Aaron, who's running the game. Do you need me to dial this back? Do you feel like it's too much? Is it too much of a clown session every time we play? Nope. Keep doing it. Keep doing it because everybody's laughing. And you know, there was a uh, <laughs> just an instance of what happened was we uh, Shannon's character found an altar in the basement of this uh, hunting lodge, and she un- it was covered with a, a like a tablecloth, and she kind of 
opens it up and she's like, hey, Buster, come over here because this really stinks. And I'm like, you're not making me fall for that again, Frankie. You fucking farted. And I'm not going over there and smelling your fart anymore. I'm not. I'm never doing it again. And she's like, no, no, come over here. There's something weird under here. And I'm like, no, you fucking farted. And I'm going to, you know, I, of course it stinks. It's your fucking ass. You know, that kind of thing. And we do that stuff all the time. And, and it's mostly just to try and make each other laugh. And in the process, we get everybody else laughing. But if there was somebody at the table who was like, who wasn't into it, I would like to think that I would be like, okay, you know, let's let's d- dial this back down to about a four or a five. And especially if the game master wasn't into it, right? And it you it's not even just you know your RP at the table; it's character level, character power. Yeah, we were playing Monster Hunter International role playing game uh, in Heroes. Okay. And um, my wife and I have kind of started playing related characters, couple characters for a couple games. They're always married. <laughs> Not always. Uh, all right. We do, we've sometimes had, they're dating. We've had three <laughs> three games now where we've played characters where we were a couple, and it you know she enjoys it. I you know I'm not going to say no because I like when my jo- my wife enjoys playing the game too. So what kind of told me my character might have been a little over top was when I one round killed a werewolf. Mm. You know, afterwards I, you know, Dylan goes, hey man, I want to talk to you. I said, I need to ramp back my character. He goes, yes, please. Yeah. You know, so I, I ramp back my character a little bit. We're playing a little bit more and, you know, next game I one shot a werewolf again. Uh, three <laughs> this rounds. Is after backing it off a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I backed yeah. it off another 16 points. You know, you can do some stuff. You know, I had a thing where it was basically, uh, to easily explain, it was sneak attack. But it was sneak attack only with a Scar H308 rifle, only on a called shot. Mm. So I'm doing called shots to the heart with a three-round burst. So it's doing like 96 damage. Mm. That's bypassing their damage negation because it's a silver, silver bullet. Right. And you can do stuff like that oh, in yeah. Champions. And as I you know, it's like, listen... I want everybody to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need you to throw an entire pack of werewolves at the party because that it won't necessarily let everyone have fun. Right. Uh, we only killed five. Yeah. And it was a good combat. It was great combat. But again, after that combat, I ramped my stuff back mm. because it was a little over the top. Which is unfortunate, too, because, I mean, it's it's a great game. I like the system. There are times I look at enemies and go, holy crap, there's no way in hell we're beating this thing. And then we beat the crap out of it because we're obsessive, violence-driven hunters who are specifically designed to fight these things in the dark. And it's great because, I mean, it's it's more like the book in that aspect where we're shelling out a belt-fed weapon at a group of three or four werewolves. Yeah. And, and I will say this. I have stopped making the character who is the misanthrope who just between missions sits on his cot and eat can, eats cans of shitty food waiting for his phone to ring for another mission. All right. I get to I, do that now. Yeah. The, the I, barely functioning sociopath who uh, is waiting for his phone burnout. to go off. Barely functioning burnout waiting anymore. for a chance to do something. Yeah, I don't yeah. do that anymore. I design well-rounded functional characters who are trying to actually have some sort of life and just happen to be a monster hunter or a shadow runner or whatever. Yeah. You know, I've got shadow runners. I, I, I have a great concept where I'm going to play a the next person up where I can play shadow run. I'm playing a lawyer. Cool. And I'm, I'm going to play a lawyer who's also a street Sam. Nice. Uh, All I can think of now is Eric's Sith lawyer. 
<laughs> Are you stopping with paperwork? <laughs> yes. I'm going to throw this briefcase full of paperwork at That's you. That's right. Yep. That's right. Which Dude. was great. <laughs> well, I mean, it's to me, depending upon the game I'm playing, some are more cathartic than others. And some I just really enjoy watching my friends have a good time and do stuff like watching the DM have a good time playing a gay cloud giant. <laughs> yeah. Zathros was fun. Zathros, yes. Uh, it. it if My favorite has, part of that mm-hmm. was the fact that uh, Greg's wife's character decided she decided to retire that character so that way uh, she could be the uh, the clutch purse dog uh, of, the for, cloud of the cloud giant. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. So yes, my <laughs> wife retired her character to ride around with Zathros the cloud giant in his flying castle as his little pet. <laughs> that, I mean, to me, there are so many things that you don't realize you have in a game to make it. Stress relieving because yeah. there's so many ways you can make yourself more stressful, more worried about it. But if you've got the right group that have a sense of humor that you, that understands you, and you're playing a game where you can have fun, I mean, it is great. You walk right. out at you know you walk out feeling refreshed, ready to go on the rest of your week, and you can tell those nights when you go home. Oh, absolutely. I have cut out a lot of the things in my life that don't make me feel okay. There's stuff in my life that I used to do a lot that I'm now just like I don't need that in my life. I don't. And I, I mean, to the point where I rarely drink anymore, yeah. just because it's not that person anymore. Right. I have more fun hanging out with my friends laughing than I do doing a bunch of other stuff. So I am more than happy to spend my nights hanging out with my friends, just laughing and having a good time. Well, catharsis is about uh, cleaning out your closet. It's mm-hmm. unpacking your bags, you know, yep. all that stuff you're carrying around on your shoulders. And sometimes you got to do that physically, too. It's like, you know what? All these people that are just kind of dragging me down, I'm, I'm fucking done with them. Right. You know, I mean, I've I've done that recently in my life. There's people that I just said, you know, what? I'm just kind of done. Right. I mean, what what benefit? Ha- I mean, other than a couple of laughs every once in a while, does that offset the stress and the other pain in the ass that these people are in my life? And the answer was no. So it's like, you know what, man, if you want to come around and hang out, you know where I'll be later. And that's yeah, leave the drama it. behind. Just, you know, yeah, I'm a, I'm a no drama zone. If you can leave your drama at the door of my house, you're welcome in. Right. Uh, I'll be happy to feed you. I'll be happy to play games with you. I'll be happy to have fun with you. But And don't get me wrong. If one of my friends calls me for help, I'm coming to help. But there's that's a difference between people just showing up and bringing their bullshit drama into your house on a regular basis. So screw it. Uh, catharsis is about unpacking your bags. Sometimes you've got to clean out your closet too. You know, you got to find all the people that are causing all that emotional issue and, and toss them out to the, with all the problems. And I think it also helps having people that understand where you're coming from to talk to, yeah. you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to cry on each other's shoulders, but sitting down and playing a game, sometimes you just, you know, you you want to just kind of escape things, or maybe you just want to feel that camaraderie again. And that's something that I've noticed too. Is especially you you go from a you know a very tight knit military group of of friends, and maybe once you're out, you you lose contact with them. And then it's like, well, then maybe just having a game group will help you know help that feeling again. So Stephen Younger, a uh, journalist covered a lot of that in a great book he wrote called Tribe. If you want to pick it up on Audible, it's probably like a six hour listen. But he, you know, he covers, you know, what do veterans do? How do you reintegrate into society? What do you do? Because 
you miss your friends, you miss war. Why do you miss war? And uh, he did a TED talk on it as well that's on YouTube that's very good. And, uh, you know, because he was in the Korangal Valley and he was out there with some infantry guys who were stacking bodies. And not all of them were the enemies. They had some buddies go down. Give it a listen. It, it's very insightful. It's very, very good. It made me realize some things also. So just something to maybe listen to. Because you said that, I realized that I, I started treating my gaming life the way I treat my Audible account. This looks like it's going to be never again. <laughs> this looks like, nope. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna go back and play Pathfinder because I really feel like playing a two-handed weapon wielding. I never got that out of my. I'm gonna go back and do something I just really enjoy. Yeah, that's it. There you go. Well, what about? Nope. I'm right. gonna go back and do this because I enjoy it. I'll I'll try new things. I'll branch out into new series, new books, new games, right. new try. But if I pick it up and read it and like, yeah, yeah, that's a very good comparison because. I I can't tell you how many dogs I've listened to on my Audible account, and it they could be fantastic stories, but I can't get past the way the reader reads. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh God. you know, and so and then so then it's just like no. So I'm glad the I didn't like the narrator was an option on is an option yeah. on the Audible return options. Right. Yeah. And so and, and and the the comparison with games is amazing because. You know, that is exactly yeah. right. You can sit down and this game could be awesome, but maybe the group isn't right. Or the game master, you can't stand the game master. You just can't stand whoever is vamping the most. Or, mm -hmm. who, you know, or maybe you don't like the game itself, but you like the group. You know, sometimes yeah. you just got to cut that shit out. Yeah, there are, there are parts of book series that I really enjoy that I no longer listen to that chapter because I know it's going to piss me off for three days <laughs> because I hate that particular character. Because the author did such a good job, I'm going to have to skip the end of this book. The John Ringo, book. David Weber, Prince Roger series. <laughs> I skipped most the first. I never, yeah, I never listened to the first three of, chapters. Is it because of the character? Or? Oh, yes. He's, he's a whiny little bitch. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, close horse. He even yeah. calls himself a close horse. But mom, I don't want to go. Oh. Yeah. So he's <laughs> like the heir tertiary to the throne of man. Mm. Prince, close horse. A lot of it is rebellion. Mm -hmm. And... They get put in a situation where he has to step up, and he does. I'm not going to ruin the book series. I, if you're on your first read or your first listen through, you got to get through the first three chapters because there's a lot of good information there. But I've probably listened to it three times on Audible. It's a great road trip series, mm -hmm. you know, if you're out of credits. If you're and, into Goro riding a velociraptor into combat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> an entire group of a cavalry regiment of Goro from Mortal Kombat riding velociraptors into combat. Right. I think uh, I, I can I can hear the schwings going on uh, from the listeners right now. Yeah. Well, it's a good series. But those first three chapters, I I love the series. I want more of it. But those first three chapters, I, I have probably at least listened to it three or four times too. And only once did I listen to those first three chapters because it gets started. And the moment that character opens its mouth, like, I'm done. Chapter, chapter four. And they're entitled back. March Up Country, March to the Sea, March to the Stars, and We Few. It is John Ringo and David Weber. Mm. Give them a read. Give them a listen. They're pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So I think a lot of good military catharsis human. to death, by the way. It, it was very cathartic to beat yeah. catharsis to death. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it was. All right. So let's move along to taps. Before we go, there's an important cause we want to uh, talk about. 
We want to talk about the Gary Sinise Foundation. Uh, Gary Sinise played Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump. Gary Sinise has a great biography out where he kind of talks about how he came around with his thoughts and how he has started to support veterans. And it's great. Uh, if you want to get a good podcast that talks about his foundation a lot, Jocko Willink's podcast with Gary Sinise on YouTube is very good. They give you some insight into what's going on. Uh, he has been building homes for veterans. He has been supporting the Fisher House. He took something like 1,200 kids uh, who lost their service member parent to Disney World in the last three or four months mm. on the same plane, like two plane loads of kids. Took them all to Disney World. Nice. You know, he's doing great things for veterans, uh, you know, and I've probably said before that generally the only people that help veterans are other veterans, and he has proven me wrong, thankfully, because, you know, I mean, you think, I'm going to call my buddy because... You know, you, you get that feeling. You know, you feel it through the force. I think mm. my buddy's having a bad day. You call him. You catch him, you know. So he's doing a lot to help veterans out, help our community. And we want to kind of showcase him this season. Yep. Uh, so, you know, he's got his Lieutenant Dan band. He's got his biography out. He's got uh, – he's on a couple of good podcasts on YouTube. If you ever need to pick up uh, and you need a gateway drug, the Gary Sinise podcast with Jocko Willinks on Jocko's podcast is really good. So, yeah, that's who we're going to support this tour. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to reach out here in a few episodes and – See if uh, we can help them in any way. Maybe right. we'll try to run a fundraiser for him. We'll try to do something for him. Absolutely. Um, he had uh, a Marine burned over 90% of his body, winds up basically his foundation built the guy a house. Nice. A smart house tailored to all his specific needs for his disabilities for having been burned by an IED over 90% of his body. And, uh, you know, he's, he's doing stuff like that. He's, he's helping take care of us. So we want to help if we can. Right. And we will link to the Gary Sinise Foundation and every episode, like Greg said, we're going to file in behind them. Get used to it because we're going to talk about it. So what are your final thoughts on this episode? We like talked, you said, it was cathartic to beat catharsis. To yes, death. right. Beat cathar catharsis to death. That's uh, with, a, with a tire iron, right? It, it makes me really think about all the good and bad gaming episodes I had and the good and bad times. It makes me wonder how many times... A bad gaming episode was just a bad point in my life. It could have been. made me realize it feels really fucking good to be back. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. We were on TDY for a while, spending some of that uh, hard-earned uh, GI Bill, you know. Uh, is there any GI Bill left? That's what I want to oh, yeah. I've got two months and 20 days of GI Bill left. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I got to go back. My body can't handle what I thought was going to be a great idea. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so there's GI Bill left. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be using any of it, but we'll see what's, what's going on. Uh, you know, and we got new jobs and we moved to different positions and jobs. And right. I left the government entirely. I left 16 years in law enforcement. Um, which was very different going from the army and the federal government into a corporate setting. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, man. <laughs> Heck, I, I've got a house now. I'm going to have a wife and yeah, a kid. And 43 when I get married this time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where we've been. So, again, uh, we're going to try not to stay away as long ever again. Right. I can't promise there won't be some uh, TDY between tours here and there, but uh, it's not going to be two years again. 
Yeah. And we also have, uh, I, I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, but we're going to have a few guests this tour um, of other other people going to join us for uh, and friends and uh, other personalities are going to join us uh, this tour also. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Where can you find us? Uh, Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash trenchmonkeysrpg. Twitter, we're at trenchmonkeys. Uh, for mail call, like Greg mentioned earlier, you can click the mail call button on our webpage, which is gamerstable.com slash trenchmonkeys, or you can join the Gamers Table Discord, and we have a dedicated channel solely for mail call. So you can post all of your questions for mail call on there. So thank you, uh, Russ B., for the email. Thank you all for listening and supporting Gary Sinise Foundation. Trench Monkeys, dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>